Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the DCU Soccer Podcast. Kind of a special episode here. I'm um, kind of going to do some some different type of things, but uh, I'm back with Daniel. Do you want to let the listeners know what they're in for? Yeah, so um, everything's kind of gone into the garbage bin uh, the last couple of weeks because of the you know COVID-19 virus. Uh, you know, uh, I'm sure everyone is pretty much living in the thick of it right now. And uh, a big problem that, you know, this has really caused is that it's pretty much shut down almost every single sports league on the planet. And so, uh, you you know, the funniest thing is you've got, you know, so many sports sort of outright canceling their events, but then you have uh, professional wrestling going on with their shows, but they're doing it in empty uh either training centers or arenas so it's it's like this weird uh kind of uh lynchian performance art piece that that's going on with all of that so it's it's a weird thing we're kind of seeing with uh sports and just entertainment in general everything's kind of getting shut down people are uh sort of being advised to stay home and you know reduce the spread of the virus uh how are things over there in new york we're we're in very different uh sort of areas and so i'm curious how how things are being handled in the more uh metropolitan spaces yeah so uh like daniel said i'm in uh new york kind of quarantining um it's uh pretty interesting we're, we're effectively i guess on like some sort of lockdown right like uh we are not really allowed to go out quote unquote uh unless you're essential workers or getting groceries or whatever so um i'm not really sure how they're like enforcing that or anything but yeah i mean it's pretty intense uh i've done a couple of grocery runs we have food for a long time now but you know tons of lines like stuff not being available but uh you know it's uh it's rough it's kind of scary a lot of people getting laid off too um especially this week uh into next week so it's kind of scary hopefully some stuff starts to get better here uh you know i'm not sure right that's something that's escaped me like are people losing their jobs completely because of this uh i'm not sure but definitely uh effectively reduced hours and if you're if you're part-time you know but uh, some some people have lost the like some business have gone out of business um, some smaller oh, really really small ones so there there are those too so it's just been rough all around I think yeah uh, over here in the Midwest in South Dakota uh, you know the the numbers have been relatively low we've had uh, something like fourteen confirmed cases uh, don't don't think there's been any deaths or anything. Uh, like that but uh, you know sort of the thing is you know we're we're in a more spread out area so as far as like you know the virus being transmitted uh, easily um, you know it, it kind of depends on on where you're at if you're in a place like Sioux Falls or Aberdeen or Rapid City where it's a lot more uh, where the population is a lot larger uh, there's definitely that chance but if you're in like a small town where there's about, you know, you're talking the distance of like maybe uh, 40 to 60 miles between um, towns, uh, you know, it's it's a lot, I suppose, uh, you know, not, not as easy for, for the virus to spread. But 
you know, we've been taking our precautions over here. The only problem is, is that, uh, yeah, like you said, you know, this, this virus has really affected businesses around here. A lot of them are, you know, trying to uh, stay open or at least trying to skirt the essential staff uh, sort of um, advisory. But yeah, you know, uh, our, our elected officials have actually had to come out and sort of uh, scold like bars and whatnot to say like, you need to shut down because the, you know, this is, this is a very real problem. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's been a very confusing time. No one knows uh, how long this sort of quarantine is supposed to last. For me, having just moved here, I was uh, on the job search and I had actually uh, have been offered a position, but when this virus came in, uh, it sort of put that on the back burner. So where I was expected to kind of start, you know, so I, you know, I was sort of slated to start this week. Uh, it's actually being pushed back uh, for a period of time until things get uh, sorted out. So a lot of, lot of uh, you know, uh, unease, I suppose. Uh, with the, with all of this going on, but you know we're we're here to put on this show and hopefully give some people a little time to you know uh, you know just sort of think about something else or you know return to normalcy with with some soccer discussion. So with with no soccer going on, you know where do we go from here, Ken? Uh, well, I mean we should talk about I guess when is the earliest possible uh, time for uh, DC United and MLS to come back. They originally had had postponed it 30 days, and it seems like now there's a new postponement, which will reach into uh, May, so uh, middle of May, it seems. So that won't, that's not a, a positive thing. Um, you know, it does give uh, everyone more time to kind of keep this virus down. Uh, but um, like you were mentioning earlier, also gives our players a little bit more time to heal. So that's you know, the smallest of silver linings that, you know, we have at this point uh, with these times. And just as a fresher, where where does D.C. United stand right now? Uh, in terms of the uh, Eastern Conference rankings? I guess, I guess in Eastern Conference with the injuries and sort of, you know, uh, I guess I guess for people who are just tuning in, you know, where where, where did we kind of last leave off? Yeah, well, we uh, are one and one. <laughs> We uh, have won uh, one game against Inter Miami, the expansion team, and we lost our home opener against uh, Colorado Rapids, which was extremely disappointing. Um, But yeah, we've only really played two games. We haven't seen too much. Uh, In that last game, Joseph Mora and Ola Kamara had hamstring injuries. Um, I would expect at this point that they would be able to come back whenever the you know season starts again uh whenever that is because should be healed in the matter of a month or two right so that's kind of where we are on that paul Ariola is still out with acl tear um the prospects on that might feel a little better down the stretch right like he might be able to come in for like the last uh last month of the season maybe or the playoffs uh more easily uh potentially right you don't know but um, another really small silver lining there uh, in terms of how the world is. Yeah. Now, what I've what I've sort of heard is that uh, there's there's discussions about sort of pushing the league back where like the 
championship game would be played in December. Uh, but also there's, there's a thought that they could just um, sort of cancel out the games that would be happening between this period in May 10th. Uh, what do you think is like sort of the logical way to go and, and what's sort of the best way to, you know, keeping keeping the players fitness and sort of uh, strain in mind? Uh, where what's the what's the best course for the league? Uh, well, I think one of the reasons why you're seeing uh, this delay and, and trying to push those games back uh, instead of either um, potentially having them, you know, I mean, at this point, this would not be probably an option either way, but in front of uh, empty stadiums or uh, something like that is probably revenue, right? So the, the, mm-hmm. the league wants to play these games, you know, that makes it a little difficult uh, with the time here, putting it an extra, you know, 40 days past the original 30-day um, or whatever uh, postponement. You're starting to run into the point where, like, you're not going to be able to squish in so many games um so you know i'm I'm not sure what they're gonna end up doing it kind of might make sense to me for them to kind of maybe edit how the season goes right like maybe reduce the season length by a few games or so and and make sure that you know they're not playing too many games in in quick succession you know so that's just yeah. my thought yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, this is something that's uh, absolutely unprecedented. Uh, the only thing I can really uh, pull from is 9-11-2001 when the uh, uh, World Trade Center attacks happened. And, you know, I think there was a there was a brief standstill with sports, but uh, it eventually uh, came back on. But we've never seen a, a span where every single league gets shut down for a whole period of time. And what I've, you know, sort of been reading and listening to is that there's some significant uh, financial, uh, you know, um, I guess consequences coming from this is that, you know, you've got Barcelona seemingly uh, considering reducing the salaries of many of its players a team that's whose salaries, I think they the average is like eleven million dollars uh, per contract. So you know it's it's uh, completely crazy. And then you've got smaller uh, sort of mid table to lower table teams, and then lower league teams that could be significantly affected uh, by this. So what, what what do you see as far as like kind of like the long term effects from this? Is this something that's going to irrevocably damage soccer or do you think we'll come back you know sort of business as as usual once things sort of blow over yeah i mean a lot of the uh data and stats on this virus might mean that we're not looking at a uh may restart we might be looking at a 2021 restart um depending on if they can kind of fight this virus with anything any type of drug before the uh vaccine is is widely available right so it might be the case where we we end up not having a season at all and uh, i'm not sure how that would affect things uh probably very very negatively i would assume um but yeah, I mean, if it is the case where we're able to resume sometime in May or June, you know, I think it has a pretty large impact that that way too, right? Like that's a lot of lost revenue. Um, 
I think you're going to see for a long, long time uh, reduction of, of crowds at these games. So you might see, you know, maybe optimistically 75% of, of what you were seeing before because, you know, scare of the virus because, you know, we don't have a vaccine yet, right? So it's still mm-hmm. going to be out there um, and scare of that. But but even if that was fightable or the vaccine was available, uh, economic damage from this has been pretty widespread already and so you know it's kind of one of the first things to go like uh events and 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 sporting events and stuff so yeah it doesn't seem good i I would i would if the games continue uh this season i would expect to see a lot less people at them um but there might be more tv viewers i guess so I, i don't know right and and just in time for dc to get that new uh broadcast uh contract you know, sort of inked up. Uh, yeah, you know, this is this is just kind of crazy. But, you know, I'm sort of thinking, is it, you know, is, is it somewhat of, of a boon for the way that uh, Major League Soccer is set up with, you know, sort of the way things are structured financially with allocation money and uh, salary caps? Do you, you know, would you say or do you think that, uh, this league would be in better standing compared to other leagues that sort of have that more free market approach to things, uh, you know, with player contracts and, and salaries and all of that. You know, what, what do you think about that? Uh, I think MLS will be fine. I don't think we're looking at a situation where it will go out of business. Um, at the end of the day, the, the Federation has way too much money. And if worse comes to worse, you know, I don't know if this is possible, but it seems like something where if it's really bad, it could be some sort of, I don't know, bailout situation or something, right? I don't know. Um, but I think they'll be fine, uh, even, even if it doesn't come to that. I think um, the league will be fine. Um, yeah. Well, that's that's reassuring. You know, I, uh, you know, the thing is with soccer in America, it's, it's always been a little bit shaky. Uh, you know, I mean, with with MLS celebrating 25 years, that's a significant accomplishment. And, you know, we'll sort of uh, kind of alluding to what we'll get into later uh, in the show today. But, you know, in 1996, that was D.C. United's first season. And they were uh, one of the original 10 clubs to kick off that season. And, uh, you know, we are, you know, sort of taking this time to look back on that. Um but, you know, before that, you know, you had the North American Soccer League and then the American Soccer League uh, that sort of popped up and folded uh, sort of, you know, within maybe five to ten years, you know, when when they sort of started off hot, then they they folded. Uh, and then the American Soccer League wasn't even uh, sanctioned by uh, the U.S. Soccer Federation or FIFA or anything like that. So you know, DC had a team in, in that realm, the Washington diplomats. Uh, but you know, the major league soccer was really sort of, uh, where, where DC got, you know, kind of like that major, um, you know, sort of, sort of, uh, backing as far as like the Federation goes and, um, and, and FIFA is concerned. So, you know, do we, do you want to jump right into that? Do we want to talk about the inaugural 1996 season. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so, yeah, so I guess before that, you know, what I guess, uh, what would you say is like your earliest memory of DC United? Uh, 
Yeah, well, it's going to be past 96 because I was too young for this season. Right. Um, I I do remember uh, probably the earliest memories are in like 2000, 1999, vaguely, 2000, 2001. Um, definitely, I have a lot of memories from 2004 for various reasons. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I was a little bit older then, and then that was a, a, a really important year for the club. Um, and yeah, I mean... I, did you, I do did not you remember. Grow, did you grow up in the D.C. area? Yeah, so I, I'm okay. from Maryland. So, yeah, I, I would go with my dad all the time. Um, and so, yeah, we, we had, like, some some seasons we would go uh, pretty often. Some seasons we had, like, half-season tickets uh, down to uh, RFK. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I have to say, you know, being someone who – grew up in the Midwest. Uh, my earliest memory of DC United isn't necessarily anything connected with uh, the the team itself, but, you know, sort of reading about MLS starting and, uh, you know, just just sort of being interested in, in that. And I think, like, my earliest memory specifically of, of DC United is when they signed Freddie Adu, who was, you know, sort of like the youngest uh, American uh, uh, playing in MLS. I think, I, what was it? It was, I think he was like 14, 15 years old or something. And that was, that was a major thing. And he was kind of listed as like the next big thing in soccer. And, you know, unfortunately things didn't quite go that way for him. But, you know, for me, that was, you know, growing up in the Midwest where soccer is not a big deal. You know, that was, that was, you know, sort of the first, with that I that I caught of MLS um but yeah you know sort of it was fun kind of looking back on on that season and uh seeing how things went for the club you know if there's if there's anything we can kind of take solace in you know sort of looking at the way things are going so far this season uh 1996 was a really rough start for DC uh did you did you read up anything about that yeah, no, totally. There was a couple uh, rough spots during the season, which uh, had them not doing, I mean, by today's standards, I guess, uh, finishing, you know, uh, I think they finished 16-16, win-loss, um, because there was no ties back then. They did the the shootouts, quote-unquote shootouts, I guess, um, which they had one win off of that, I believe. And uh, yeah, I mean, by today's standards, that doesn't seem really good at all, but... right. Back then, I mean, that's enough to get you in the playoffs. Exactly, and and yeah, a, a respectable position, I think, in the Eastern Conference. I think they were what uh, third or second or something like that, or they were sort of like in the in the middle second of that. In the East. Okay, so they were they they had solid footing. I mean, those were days. You know, we had ten teams in the league, so it was sort of like uh, I think I, yeah, it was like the top four that made it in and then the last team didn't. So it was, it was a different uh, sort of landscape. And now today with uh, what was our teams at now? We've got 24. Does that sound right? I think it's a little more than that. (laughs) feels like it anyway. It's a lot of teams. And then I think it's like seven uh, spots. 26 teams. 26 teams. And I think seven spots per uh, conference. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so um, you know, it's it's a you can sort of look at the health of the league just seeing that with uh, 
how much the league has expanded. And, you know, what's what's interesting is how much those teams kind of became uh, their own imprints of their communities. Uh, one, one interesting article I, I came across was about the 1996 Home and Away kit uh, for DC. And they had uh, Nike was sort of like the de facto uh, jersey makers uh, for the league. In fact, they were sort of like the de facto branding for the teams as well. Uh, there was an article on uh, Major League Soccer where they were talking about uh, those initial teams and, and uh, how DC United sort of had the best kit uh, of that of that selection of, of teams um, where, where you had a lot of squads with uh, really garish looking kits. Uh, DC had a more uh, subtle black and white and then uh, red and white. Uh, outfit for for their away matches. So, did you catch anything um, about that, or or did you see that article? Uh, yeah, I think you linked me to that one. I mean, these uh these kits are pretty um, legendary, honestly. I mean, definitely um, known for being one of the best of those original, not being you know crazy, <laughs> totally crazy um, ones like some of them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I have one of the away kits uh, still and. Oh, with that nice. with that master i think they still had that mastercard on the back and everything um yeah just crazy i mean uh but yeah i mean it, it's also one of the things where like that kit totally um you know totally holds and to this day now i i i know we we sort of discussed having some fun facts i don't know when when we'll sort of fit those in the show but i guess one i want to kind of like throw out there because this was fascinating reading that article uh, learning that Peter Moore was the original designer of the DC United 1996 Home and Away kits. Now, he may be familiar in, in some circles as the man who created the Nike uh, Air Jordan Jumpman logo. He also created the three bars for Adidas. And uh, more, in, or more in my realm, or, or in sort of an interest, he was uh, sort of like the uh, president of marketing or whatever uh, for Microsoft Xbox when they launched that. And he was, uh, or yeah, he was involved with that from Xbox to the 360 to, uh, you know, um, to wherever he is now. But he has, uh, interestingly enough, you know, had, had some significant footprints uh, in, in a lot of different industries. And I thought that was really interesting to know that that he was the one who who made that kit, and that's based on the fact that Kevin Payne, who was uh, you know sort of like one of the original founders of DC United, uh, he very much sort of rejected the way uh, Nike wanted to brand the team. And originally, DC United was supposed to be the DC Revolution, but he absolutely rejected that, saying that the community was not going to embrace that. Uh, and, and interestingly enough, it wasn't based on the American Revolution, but the Beatles song. So, so you, right. you know, it was sort of, you had a, a lot of, you know, how do you do fellow kids, uh, you know, sort of efforts coming from, from Nike trying to appeal to sort of like a counterculture uh, sense with, with Major League Soccer. Uh, instead, DC United wanted to keep things real clean and classic 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think uh, I was reading something about this earlier, too, where, um, you know, I think the DC United name really fits. I mean, we're seeing it even to this day. It's still uh, really good. We have those like marketing campaigns like Unite the District, you know, for a long time there, there was there was efforts about, you know, United uh, stuff with, you know, the DMV, the, uh, you know, so it really fits. It really works for the area and it works on multiple different levels. You know, it's the capital of the United States. It's just it works really well. And so I'm, I'm pretty glad that it didn't end up being uh, something like that. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, you know, sort of getting back into kind of like the soccer side of things, um, you know, what, what were some some of those, uh, you know, original 96ers? What were what are some standout names on that roster? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the the biggest one um, was uh, that, that when they had Marco Echeverri, obviously El Diablo, um, who yeah. was there for a while, won a, won a lot. Um, Jeff Agus, of course, uh, American. Uh, Raul Diaz uh, Arce. Um, I think they got him in the draft, actually. Um, I think I don't know. I have to look that up. Um, you know, Eddie Pope, of course. Those are the the big ones, and then obviously John Harks, who I think was the captain as well, um, at least for some of those games that that we're going to talk about. And and he was a guy who kind of firmly uh, sort of planted himself in the Premier League, and so uh, he was he was extremely established coming into MLS. And interestingly enough, uh, in that first game, uh, DC United faced off against the San Jose Clash, and on that team was Eric Wynalda. Uh, uh, you know, I thought that kind of blew my mind, and and he was a big star uh, coming from the Bundesliga. Yeah, totally. I mean, that was a lot of the talk around uh, this first game, which was also the first game uh, of MLS ever um, in San Jose there, which unfortunately we, we did end up losing, but yeah, that was like the, the matchup that they were all talking about, you know, before the game, I guess probably in the marketing as well. And, and it was, you know, like I said, a really rough start. I think, you know, after that game, I think they had the Columbus crew, uh, and they lost to that. And then they didn't score and DC didn't score until their third game, I believe. I think it was against the Tampa Bay Mutiny. Am I correct in saying that? If if my that is a team, I would have to look at the, that is uh... Uh, yeah. DC United didn't uh, score until the third game, and then they still ended up losing. And then they went zero and four, and then they finally sort of recovered after that. But it was it was a very up and down season. So you know, uh, I guess I guess you know with with us having sort of like our disaster or you know semi-disastrous start uh to the year um you know things things have been worse for the team and they've they've come back and and done good things yeah no totally i mean um even in i mean that first game like, like i mentioned we, we we did lose but you know it was such a momentous uh moment for american soccer american sports really you know so um, I thought that, you know, that was really, really important. And I spent a, a couple minutes, uh, I didn't have too much time today, but, but rewatching that, that first game. And it's, it's really interesting. It's on, I think it's literally like on YouTube or something. So you can, I'll put it a link in the description. Um, you can check that out, but you know, I thought that that was really interesting. It's kind of funny seeing people from the nineties in general. So, uh, <laughs> but, 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 
but playing soccer uh, in those, you know, baggy, baggy kits. But yeah, I mean, another cool thing about that game is that the FIFA president was actually uh, there um, because, of course, they, they had asked the United States to start this league, basically, um, because of the, the 94 World Cup. So he was uh, there and, and he watched the game. So I thought that was kind of a cool thing uh, that people might not know. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it was, yeah, it was super interesting just just seeing, you know, how, how excited people got about it. It was, uh, you know, for DC United's first uh, home opener, they played in front of a crowd of over 30,000. And, you know, that was, that was at RFK. And that was when RFK was a little more in its heyday, I would say. Uh, com- compared to uh, how it is in in recent time, but um, you know, thirty thousand in that, in, or over thirty in that uh, uh, first home opener, and then you know it, it kind of petered off after that, uh, and then lay- leveled out to fifteen thousand. That was the average attendance uh, throughout the season. Um, you know, it, that that start definitely didn't help the team. Uh, but it was, it, you know, it's it's super cool seeing that, you know, people got really excited for this league when it when it started up. Yeah, I mean, those those numbers are good. Even I mean, they're really good <laughs> um, even in today's today's league. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, to your point about RFK, I would say it still was old even then it's because uh, it was so old. Yeah, uh, that was I think that was the year that the Redskins actually actually moved out, I think. So, uh, you know, so, you know, <laughs> RFK, it shows how how old uh, that stadium being old, even in uh, the mid 90s, um, mm-hmm. how, how run down and, and stuff it was. And yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, it's, gosh, you know, I, I just feel particularly lucky that I was able to, you know, catch the tail end of that. I know, I know we've had discussions, you know, before, about our RFK memories, but uh, gosh, it's just wild kind of looking back, like you said, uh, at those old highlights and, and seeing the stadium uh, like it used to be. It's, uh, th- there's, there's a gladiatorial quality to it you know especially if you were walking up to the stadium you know uh either either from that east capitol entrance or if you were coming in from uh lot eight you just got a certain feeling from it uh you know i i really love uh audi field but you know every time i approach that stadium you just kind of got a little bit a little bit of goosebumps you know especially if you were coming in with uh, Barra Brava through that lot eight, you know, sort of like that overpass that goes through. And then you got the guys who light up the uh, smoke bombs and you just start marching through there and you got the drums going and all of that. Uh, there, was, there was an atmosphere there that was, um, you know, incredible. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, RFK was, was something um i i still kind of miss it and i mean even walking like yeah walking through just even walking through it was like this is just ridiculously large um Mm -hmm. but uh let's go back a little bit to to some roster um stuff so that's a lot of the the main people i also um want to talk a little bit about jesse marsh being on the team of course he's now coaching um uh 
uh, Salzburg, I think, um, in the Austrian Bundesliga. Um, yeah. And, of course, Jaime Moreno, uh, which I don't think I mentioned somehow, <laughs> was also uh, on there. Um, but, yeah. That team had – no, there were uh, – that team was full of ballers. Uh, you know, even even uh, mentioning Sean Medved, uh, who, was, who was a really, really solid midfielder. Uh, you know, that team – was very much stacked and and they were um just just very very good you know uh, you know you want to talk about legends like that whole team was full of them yeah i mean there's 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 tons that we're we're probably not even gonna have time to mention that you know are still people you hear about or are on coaching staffs or uh you know some are in the hall of fame you know so it was uh it's kind of crazy like yeah you would you kind of want to like compare to the rosters of today and it's like there was no DP rule or anything, but this was a pretty, pretty intense roster. Yes, exactly. And, and we didn't even mention Eddie Pope and all of that either. So that's, that's what, that's where we're going with that. Like those are um, solid, solid names. And then not only that, but the team was also managed by, uh, you know, uh, Bruce arena. Who, who is a well, well-known figure in Major League Soccer and on the national team stage. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, uh, that that's always uh, been interesting. I was looking at pictures of him, uh, like, on, on the sideline, um, and, you know, he looks so much younger. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean. So many people did, yeah. It's tough to think that that was, you know, nearly 30 years ago, but, you know, here we are, you know, 25 years later. That's that's really crazy to think about. Do you want to move on to uh, our next topic, which uh, we, we talked a little bit about um, how the season went? You know, we were uh, 500 basically with win losses at both 16, um, but we did end up making the playoffs. Uh, our postseason looked a lot different than our our regular season. Yes. Yeah, so in the postseason, uh, DC actually had uh, some really dominant performances. And so uh, looking back, um, I know, okay, so in the conference semifinals, uh, we did have a tight one against the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars. Uh, and with the first game was tied uh, 2-2, uh, 6-5 on, on penalties, and then D.C. United ended up winning the other two games uh, 1-0 and then 2-1 to then move on to the uh, conference sem- uh, or to the conference finals. Right, right. And there we, we met back with the, the Tampa Bay Mutiny, which, as we talked about earlier, is a team. <laughs> um, was a team. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess was a team. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, no longer. A long time ago. Uh, well, now I, I have to wonder if, if, you know, the Tampa Bay Rowdies, if, if that was somewhat remnants from the Tampa Bay Mutiny or, you know, if that was something that sort of came up completely separately i'm i'm i'd be curious to know that i mean i'd be curious to kind of know how you know uh yeah uh sort of that 1996 you know with with managers and players you know where where everyone kind of ended up at at various places and and what happened to 
uh, a lot of those teams. It's uh, it's kind of interesting to think about. Yeah, and I mean they they were uh, top of the Eastern Conference uh, this this year in in '96. So um, even on their their uh, roster, they had a lot of uh, you know people you'd recognize um, as well. But you know, I, I must have imagined that going into this conference finals, we would have been a little bit of the underdog considering um, how dominant the mutiny was in the Eastern Conference. But we ended up getting through there, obviously, <laughs> because it's, uh, we, you know, obviously. That but. first game was a 4-1 uh, shellacking. Uh, so D.C. United completely ran away in that first match. And then in the second leg, uh, they ended up winning 2-1. So... You know, six six two on aggregate, not a bad way to sort of enter the MLS Cup final, and that was against the LA Galaxy. And uh, did you? So you said you watched the uh, the first game against the San San Jose Clash. Uh, did you catch uh, the highlights or the game uh, for the uh, Cup Championship? Uh, I've seen in the past, and I think my dad has it on VHS <laughs> somewhere, but. Um, which I've That's seen amazing. in the past, but I did not see it uh, today. No, I didn't look that one up. Yeah, you know, so, you know, maybe the, maybe you probably remember it uh, visually, but uh, it was at a neutral ground and in Foxborough, Massachusetts, of all places. And this was on October 20th, uh, 1996. And let me just kind of run through a couple cultural touchstones that were happening at that time. Uh, that weekend, the number one movie in the U.S. was Sleepers, which was a Robert De Niro vehicle, which also featured Brad Pitt, Kevin Bacon, and Minnie Driver, uh, sort of a uh, crime drama. Uh, but I've, I, I've heard of that movie, but never actually saw it. Uh, and then the number one song, do you know? Did you did you uh, take a look at that on the uh, show notes? Yeah, I see you uh, have the Macarena. <laughs> the Macarena by Los Del Rio, and then the highest rated TV show uh, for that year uh, was ER, with a score of I think it was like twenty one point two, which I think equals out to around twenty million people uh, watching that show. So you know, those are those are a couple of the. Uh, sort of big, big cultural landmarks of that time. But the MLS Cup was a game between the LA Galaxy and DC United. And so uh, with with the way DC kind of came into that game, they had a very uh, sort of different look. Uh, you know, it was a rainy, mucky day uh, up in Foxborough. And so, you know, going through the lineups, uh, LA Galaxy fielded Jorge Campos, Robin Fraser, uh, Arash Noamus, uh, Mark Semioli, Greg Vanni, Chris Armas, Mauricio uh, Cienfuegos, Kobe Jones, uh, Jorge Salcido, um, and then Edward Eduardo Hurtado, who was uh, a, a baller for them, and then Harut uh, Carapetian. L.A. came out, uh, like I said, with uh, Eduardo Hurtado. He scored the opener, a really nice delivery, uh, you know, from sort of like the, the corner of the box into him where he was kind of just 
right, you know, sort of near that that six six field box or a six yard box. Uh, had it in a a solid goal to start it off, and then it was very back and forth uh, between DC and LA. It was a you know when you talk about like sort of a, a rainy day, you know, it typically creates a slick surface. Well, this was more like playing in a bog, and actually right in front of the goal uh, on each side were like these massive ponds that were forming. So anyone who got right into the thick of uh, the box, they were pretty much having to contend with defenders and then also just with this mucky swamp and having to run through that. So, uh, you know, it was very much back and forth. And then uh, another goal didn't happen again until the 56th minute when uh, Chris Armas scored again for LA Galaxy. And I think at this time, you know, a lot of the DC faithful were uh, feeling a little dejected and uh it wasn't until the 73rd third minute when uh tony santa uh scored the first goal for dc united and then sean medved followed up at the 81st minute and then eddie pope uh in in sort of like the extra time and this was this was you know if you want to talk about how different the league was at that time uh they did shootouts uh during the regular season and then they added um sort of like that extra time golden goal, which eventually was scored by Eddie Pope on a, a really nice header. And I think, yeah, for, for a defender, that's a uh, nice, nice feather in the cap to sort of win that first MLS cup uh, for, for the team as a defender. So, you know, man, you know, talk about a team that just uh, showed a lot of grit. So, you know, that, that whole championship game was kind of like a microcosm of their season, a really rough start, but they battled back and were able to win the whole thing. Yeah, no, totally. I, I did see that there was, you know, a lot of uh, storm, like it was a big storm and, and there was a lot of wind. Um, in addition to that, that really bad rain for not only on the game day, but I think before the, the game, a couple of days too. But, but yeah, I mean, even looking at this uh, LA Galaxy lineup, I mean, there's tons of names there that, you know, are still around, uh, you know, I, I think most people would recognize a lot of them, including uh, Robin Fraser, who uh, I believe <laughs> just beat us um, as a coach of the Rapids. So um, that's true. <laughs> that's right. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, it kind of all comes back. Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, also, obviously, Chris Armis, Greg Vanny, all these guys uh, kind of still around doing stuff. Um, pretty popular people in in U.S. soccer. Kobe Jones, I know he he does analysis, so he's he's still very much involved in the sport. Um, so yeah, that's just that's just super cool to see uh, all the players that were involved at that time. And um, you know, speaking of 25 years later, you know, it's it's awesome to see that DC has has really um, given this this team their. Uh, recognition, you know, particularly with Jaime Marino uh, showing off the uh, new kits this year, uh, you know, and, and then you have the sort of hall of tradition and a lot of the things that they're doing at Audi Field uh, are, are giving a lot of recognition uh, to this squad. So, yeah, that's that's um, just just fantastic, you know, that that they've been, you know, doing that. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, this is uh, 
pretty pretty interesting uh, season. You know, the 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 games with those shootouts are always funny to to look back. They get a lot of uh, hate on Twitter, which is really funny whenever people post you know videos of them or whatever. But um, I wanted to also talk about two uh, fun facts just really quickly um, to go back a little bit. Uh, we actually have two um, MLS firsts in this uh, 96 season, probably more, more actually, but these ones are of note. Uh, in the April 13th game against Columbus Crew, which we lost 4-0, it was the MLS first own goal, own goal uh, against us. So uh, that's a fun one. Um, on the other side, we had uh, our first MLS's first hat trick on May 15th, also against Columbus. Uh, so that was, uh, you know, kind of interesting stuff. Uh, some some firsts against uh, the same team, which is interesting. But uh... yeah, so so then just a few days after that, uh, DC United also claimed uh, another first and sort of a a first, you know, kind of in a more elite uh air yeah uh we also we i mean we won the double that year we got the u.s open cup as well it was pretty interesting um we also basically didn't uh we weren't in the first you know selection of mls teams to even be in this tournament uh los angeles galaxy uh was supposed to be in our place but they kind of left the competition citing um scheduling issues which is a wow. kind of an interesting fact. That is interesting. I had no idea, even even in reading this, uh, that that kind of escaped me. That's huh. You have to you have to imagine how much you know people were kind of like you know figuring it out as they went, or you know if if only you could have kind of been you know sort of in the commissioner's office or or you know sort of at MLS headquarters or sort of in the uh boardrooms at at these different teams to see how uh people were kind of approaching the season and how things were working out you know man that would have been i i, I you'd imagine someone's probably written a book book about it but i not you know i can't really name anything coming from that era a lot of a lot of unknowns a lot of things that are happening for the first time in in a different scale right so um, I wonder if they regret that. Probably don't think about it, actually. So um, we played um, a couple rounds here. We entered uh, in the quarterfinals. Uh, let's start there. Um, the Carolina Dynamo, we played and we beat 2-0. They were in the USISL. Um, Woo. Yeah, that's a mouthful. I was worried about messing that up, but... Um, yeah, so we beat them 2-0. There was 1,829 people there and uh, in, in, in Virginia there. So, yeah, we, we beat them. I uh, went on to play the Dallas Burn um, in the Cotton Bowl, but only in front of 1,958 this time, um, in which Jaime Moreno had a brace uh, to beat them 2-0 uh, as well. Um, and then in the final in RFK, which had a little more uh, attendance there at 7,234, which is nice. Uh, we won 3-0 uh, against the Rochester Raging Rhinos, which is, uh, yeah, that was interesting to kind of go through. Love, and, you got to love that name. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, that's that's interesting. I'm, I'm, you know, 
uh, maybe maybe for for some personal time after this. Uh, now that you're you kind of pointed me to this, you know how to how do you get an open cup final between the Rochester Raging Rhinos and DC United? Like I, I'm very interested to see how how that open cup tournament went for Rochester and and how exactly they ended up there because you don't I, I I'd love to know sort of like the last time kind of like a a lower league team actually made it to the open cup final because uh, you know as far as i can remember it's always been mls teams facing off yeah there's been some some teams that have done relatively well relatively recently but not, they haven't won uh you know in in, in some amount of time uh but the the raging rhinos actually had a pretty good tournament uh they beat the rapids um three zero and they uh beat the mutiny three uh four three in extra time um so i mean they beat you know the mutiny again was was top of the eastern conference so uh you know that's that's pretty impressive that's yeah that's fascinating um if if only you know me and sort of like you know where my interest is now today in soccer if i had been around to sort of experience that in 96 i i would have just loved to um been there for that so that's that's just uh Super fascinating stuff. Um, is there anything else we wanted to uh, talk about regarding that that '96 year? Um, not specifically, I don't think. Um, but yeah, it's cool that we got a double that year. We won the cup and the Open Cup, so that's uh, that's interesting. It'd be nice to do something like that again. <laughs> totally. Um, so yeah, you know, we've we've gone just about an hour on this show. Uh, is there is there anything you wanted to sort of do as far as uh, shout outs? I know we got um, a new review for the show over on iTunes. Oh, yeah, totally. I would love to read this out right now because we said we would and it's a really nice review. Um, so, yeah, I'll just start reading it out. Uh, the title is Enjoying the Pod. Letting you know as a United supporter, I have been enjoying your pod and appreciate the work you do. Thought maybe... It might be interesting if you did five or ten minutes each episode on the history of the club. Maybe bios of favorite moments of ex-players or other club history, such as supporter groups or favorite matches. Just an idea. Keep up the good work. Vamos United. Thanks. Brian Lake. And you can find Brian on Twitter at BrianLake12 if you want to uh, follow him. He also posts some some cool stuff from United's past. I've seen him post like some of the stuff uh, about his favorite goal and, and some other things about some of the games he, he's been at. So, yeah, I mean, uh, we really appreciate the review. Uh, it's it helps us, you know, get in front of new people. Uh, again, if you if you do leave a review, though, we will read it out on the show as long as it's not nasty, I guess I should say. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, no, and, and thank you so much, Brian. I'm, I'm sure this is a little more than you bargained for, you know, sort of getting the full, uh, or, or at least a good chunk of that uh, retrospective of uh, 1996 for two people who weren't alive enough to remember it. So, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was super interesting uh, going back and, uh, or, or sort of researching uh, what happened that year and, and taking a look back at those names. So, you know, love the suggestion about adding that stuff. And that's for sure uh, something we're going to do. Uh, and I, yeah, I, like I said, uh, there's so much fascinating stuff 
just in this year alone that, you know, to, you know, take little bits and pieces and kind of expand on them a little bit is, is something that would be uh, super fun to do. So, you know, love the suggestion. We'll definitely be uh, throwing more of that historical information into the show. Yeah, no, totally. I have a few stories I, uh, I'd like to tell at some point, um, you know, meeting some of the players. My dad did a few interviews with some of the players that I was present for, um, stuff like that. It was, you know, a lot of history there, a lot of stuff that I've never, I mean, I haven't talked about on this show, but um, I haven't really, you know, talked to too many people about it because I guess it's not this type of thing I, you know, talk to my coworkers about or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I think that's a really great idea. Um, I'd love to do personal stories. And then obviously for now, I guess we're going to be doing, uh, these until I guess the league comes back. Um, and, and I think, uh, this is kind of fun, a nice reflection time, uh, kind of in the same vein as, as the, the suggestion in the review. So, yeah, with, with sort of several weeks to go in, in sort of like this, uh, break in MLS action, that gives us enough time to go through all the championship years. So we can talk about 1997, 1999, and 2004. So uh, I'm, I'm super excited to um, take, take some deep dives into those years and, you know, sort of learn more about this team and, you know, hopefully, hopefully give some more information that, that helps uh, newcomers uh, understand, you know, the history, where this team's come from and uh, where they're going forward. Yeah, no, totally. And I think uh, I also want to do an episode on the 2013 uh, year um, with the Open yeah, Cup win and the, yeah. Yeah, and the other stuff. Um, pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, anyway, let's start do um, our final uh, recommendations. Do you want to do yours? Yeah, so this one, um, you know, this uh, group kind of, I don't know if this is a person or if this is a group of people or whatever, but um, they're called the Order of Washington's Regulars. And they just kind of popped up a couple weeks ago for me on Instagram and on Twitter. And they are the unofficial DC United supporters group from the middle of the nation. So definitely in my neck of the woods now. Uh, so they are, they're an interesting, uh, I don't, like I said, I don't know if this is a single guy or if this is an actual collective, but they have kind of like a uh, punk, ska, reggae dub sort of uh, influence to them. So like they do a lot of designs and stickers uh, based on old, you know, punk or DC hardcore albums. Like uh, they did a couple uh, minor threat uh, references when they were when they were doing I think the Colorado Rapids and Inter Miami games and then they uh, took you know that classic uh, Rancid album you know and Out Came the Wolves and they uh, had it as an Out Came the Talons so you know uh, kind of kind of a cool group uh, what they're doing they're uh, you know making some great designs so uh, I wanted to just shout them out to let people know that they're doing some cool stuff. So on Instagram, you can find them at order of Washington's regulars, and that's all one word. And then on, on Twitter, uh, they're at O regulars. So just, yeah, just a super cool group. And it appeals to uh, kind of that inner eighth grader in me who went to all the local, you know, hardcore and punk shows with all the, 
you know, uh, crusty kids wearing their Chuck Taylors and all of that. Like that just, uh, that just appeals to me in a, in a certain way that, that I just genuinely love. So, you know, uh, super, super happy that I came across this and wanted to tip my hat to them. Yeah, no, totally. I, I, I also followed them. Yeah. I did notice they popped up, uh, and their artwork is pretty cool. Um, yeah, definitely follow them. The link will be in the description as well, or the, you know, show notes, whatever. Um, cool. Uh, this week I wanted to do a little, not too different, I guess a little different thing. Um, this morning I, I saw that a couple of U.S. internationals are kind of teaming up to support a charity called Feeding America. Um, so I saw, you know, Christian Pulisic, Tyler Adams, and Weston McKenney, uh, from the U.S. national teams all posting about, you know, here's a donation link uh, to, to donate to, to make sure that, you know, people uh, have food. It's it's um, it's a hunger relief charity called Feeding America. You can find them on Twitter at Feeding America. Um, and, you know, it's especially, uh, you know, rough times. Uh, but, you know, this could really help people who, who literally don't have food right now. Um, so check that out. Um, I guess as well as the players accounts <laughs> um, but you can kind of see their messages as well along with it they each did a video uh, so you can find them on twitter as well or instagram oh that's great that's super always always like seeing you know uh players getting out and helping helping communities and you know sort of going and and contributing to causes like that especially during this time uh where it's very easy to kind of get down in your feelings and whatnot um you know it's it's important to look at uh the impact that people are having so yeah those are those are fantastic uh suggestions and you know not to be too self-promotional or anything like that but uh you know you you tossed this my way but uh the show got featured on major league soccer this week oh yeah they added us to the um you know list of, of podcasts and shows under dc united uh which was pretty cool um that was you know that meant a lot to us you know so um that and and this amazing review it's been a really nice week for the show i think you know we keep growing and and you know the reviews are helping the the retweets on twitter everything has just been really good that just about does it for me i'm i'm i've pretty much covered everything i wanted to cover so i'm excited to jump into 1997 next week yeah, totally. Uh, we'll cover the 1997 season, the championship um, next week. Uh, but until then, please stay safe, stay inside if you can. See you next week. Peace.